Hello, and welcome to an anniversary celebration of Set Lessing Bruce. That's right. The month of September is the fifth anniversary of me doing this silly podcast, and I've asked a lot of former guests and special friends to join me in a celebration, and today I am so happy and pleased that uh, Terry Smith is joining me. Terry, welcome. Hey, Jesse, great to be here and, uh, and be part of the, the anniversary celebration. As someone who's only just passed the one-year mark, um, I look forward to you and I having this conversation about Music Talks in 2024. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what was nice is uh, Ken Rosen uh, reached out to me, and he's writing up a uh, this it may have already come out by the time we release this, but he's talking to me uh, and he's going to write a little write up about set lusting Bruce for Backstreets. Oh wow, that's fun! What an achievement! That's great. Just yeah, and so and one of the things I told him I was most proud about is that I feel like a proud like uncle or you know godfather of music talks. Yeah, what <laughs> like, what do you are, you know, I am. Um, I've all, you know, I say it all the time that uh, it's not often that something is life-changing and coming on to Set List and Bruce was for me because that's what got me into podcasting and it's a great joy in my life. So it's great to be part of this. Great. So um, to pull the curtain back a little bit, listeners, I, I have a group of consistent fans and friends and brothers and sisters, siblings um, of the podcast. And I often email them and go, Hey, I'm needing help or what I'm doing. And so I reached out to the team and I said, okay, I want to celebrate September. Do you have any ideas? And Terry took what was a casual comment I made. Um, he was nice enough to invite me on his first anniversary show. And I said, you know, I made a joke about, I could probably do this for just Bruce covers. <laughs> and so Terry came back and said, okay, I'm going to challenge. I'm going to put that challenge out to you. Let's, can you do it? And so that's what today's episode is. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great example. I've learned that um, throwaway comments are a great creative uh, source. So um, well done for stepping up to the challenge. All right. So for those of you who may not have heard Music Talks, and I understand, I won't say shame on you because we're all busy and there's a lot yeah. of stuff out there, but give us the concept and then kind of, I'm going to turn the show over to you so that we can uh, go through uh, the songs. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, the, the, the concept is very simple, although what I've learned over the last 15 months is uh, guests' ability to play with the concept is never-ending. Um, but basically, uh, the concept is simple, which says, uh, however old you are, pick a song from each decade of your life and tell us why those songs are important. And what's been great for me, and you were the first person to kick this off when we did the very first pilot episode, Jesse, was that... Needless to say, people talk a lot about music, but it, people also talk a lot about themselves and their lives and some great uh, stories, joyful stories, sad stories. So uh, we probably won't have the story element today, although knowing Jesse and I, who knows? Um, but yeah, that's the principle. Pick a song from each decade of your life. So Jesse has twisted that to I'm going to pick a song or he's going to pick a song that uh, was released in the decade that Bruce subsequently covered. So without further ado, and on the basis with the same vintage, Jesse, and born towards the end of the 50s, talk us through your first choice, please. 
so if we did a um, a subset, I've actually done this three times now. I've done it originally on Set Lessing Bruce where I picked my um, songs. And then for the anniversary, I said, you asked me, do you want to be on again? I said, absolutely. Do you want the same songs or do you want to pick different songs? And I said, well, just for the sake of conversation, I'll pick different songs. Yep. Um, but Johnny Cash... <laughs> has made all three lists. <laughs> <laughs> I had noticed that. <laughs> um, and I think that is probably just because of the influence of my dad and how much he loved uh, Johnny Cash. And, and he is someone that I uh, adore and just admire as a musician and as a man. And so, um, so my very first song for the 50s is um, Bruce covering I Walk the Line. Okay, and uh, as with as is the case with a number of your choices, um, this is actually a real rarity. It was sound checked twice on the Darkness tour, but not played. Um, and it's actually only ever been played twice. Uh, that was both on the Rising tour, um, and this clip uh, is from the first of those, which was at FedEx Field in DC. So let's take a listen to a slightly scratchy version, uh, both Bruce performance and sound of Bruce doing Walk the Line. what the future holds but if he ever decides to do a covers album i'd um i'd love to hear him do that properly um the other interesting if you look on youtube jesse and you may have seen this there is also a clip that shows him doing a few lines of i walk the line into i'm on fire which is which is worth a which is worth a look it um, really is. And that, my connection there is, of course, I'm on Fire is one of the songs that Johnny Cash covered. Um, and then there was the Johnny 99 album, which I don't have, but I am now going to um, buy, only because for the first time yesterday, I saw the cover. I don't know if you've seen it, but yes, it is, it is the best picture I've ever seen of Johnny Cash. Um, but on there he does... Um, Obviously, Johnny Ninety Nine, but he also does Highway Patrolman, which I know is a one of your favorite covers. And that may come up a few minutes later as we discuss. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. And um, it just he, um, I guess, you know, Roseanne Cash has talked about how much her father loved music, and you know, if you've ever watched the um, 
Ken Burns documentary, she's talking about being on the bus and he starts mentioning songs and she didn't know. And he ended up giving her this list yes. of songs that she should learn and, and know. And then I think she, if she did not bring Bruce to him, she certainly wasn't involved. And uh, Johnny has done multiple uh, songs of him and they seem to be, um, in a regret that is truly not important, but still you would have loved to seen them two together just once or twice yeah, yeah. doing a song together. It'd been absolutely brilliant. No, I totally, I totally agree. So, uh, yep. Who knows where that, who knows where that route may take us. Yes. So, um, from a rare choice in the fifties to an even rarer one in the sixties. So talk us through that one. So the sixties is the toughest decade to pick from because um, maybe the 50s, but the 60s especially, this was Bruce's fertile where he gained musical consciousness. And he has so much respect and love of 50s and 60s music that um, you you could – I could probably pick a double album worth of covers of things he's done in the sixties. And I really gave a lot of thought. Um, You know, there is this, and I guess I I didn't, I'm not remembering right off now, but I really gave a lot of thought for the decade. um, Save the last dance for me, because there's that great live um, clip where at a concert where someone gave him a sign request to sing a song for his mother because yeah. it's Mother's Day. Yeah. And Bruce is like, this is great. And he says, I got to think of it. And he, he did the last dance uh, or save a dance for me. Right. Yeah. And um, save a last dance. Right. Which if you know the story behind it, the writer actually was in a wheelchair. So it was at his wedding day. He saw his wife dancing with all these people enjoying it. And it, the germ of the song later came to be and that's when he wrote it which is just a brilliant story it is yeah so but i'm like okay i've got to go with a beach boy song because there's bruce and there's brian wilson the beach boys (laughs) and um and this is a very rarity of the of the beach boys and um and for some reason, I, and, and as far as I know, this has only happened once or twice, but um, Brian Wilson's When I Grow Up to Be a Man, um, Bruce covered it once. And it is so nice to hear this adult man. And if you remember the original, it's very poppy yep, and uh, with a lot of harmony. But there's also um, – a little bit of wistfulness and you could see Brian, even at that young of an age, wondering what it's going to be like when I get older and am I still going to dig the same things that I dig as a kid. Right. And so when I heard, um, Bruce do this, I fell in love with this version. And so that's the one I picked. Brilliant. And, um, you may know this. I didn't. One of the many things I love about doing this podcasting thing is it's a catalyst for me to go and do research. Um, I knew this was Slane Castle. What I didn't know was that uh, in Ireland, and we'll talk about that after we've heard the clip, but this was the first gig he did after getting married. I did not know that. Which presumably is also why he chose to do the song. So that, for me, gave it an extra little bit of poignancy. So... uh, Let's 
hear Bruce serenading 95,000 somewhat drunken Irish. <laughs> Where would I look for the same things in a woman that I did in a girl? I don't, and I deliberately edited that bit. Um, I think that was right at the, the end of the song. But if, if you listen at the start of the clip, there are some, and I mentioned about the audience being somewhat drunk, there are some brave people who try to start this quite complicated clapping. Yes, I did hear <laughs> which, that. Which then dissipates after about the first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do actually know I have some friends um, who were at that gig people I've met subsequently, um, you know, there was 95,000 people and this was 1985. Slane Castle had never done a gig before. Um, the, there was a lot of rain beforehand and basically the field that it was in sloped down. So it really was rather dangerous and anyone who's read Bruce's biography, there is the piece in there where he apparently came off, it was the days when they used to take a break and he came off in the intermission and had, I think, probably his worst row with John Landau and was genuinely saying, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, wow. I'm going to cancel the tour. Um, and if you read, you can see it online as, as well. Um, he came out in the second half and, one, um, the audience, I think, had calmed down a bit, but, two, he realised that there was this system that, you know, if someone fell over the person next to them picked them up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think his comment is, it didn't look safe to me, but it seemed to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, going... Um, and the sadness, uh, in fact, was, I saw again yesterday when I was looking at this, um, that there have, over the years, been little bits of clips of Slaying Castle. And yeah. the view is that it was actually recorded. So hopefully... It, oh, uh, Hopefully at some point we will get sight of that. But yeah, um, a 95,000 crowd. I mean, I was watching Live Aid the other week and, mm. you know, there was no barriers. There was no separation of the crowd. They yeah. really didn't know what they were doing with big concerts then. But um, a great choice, Jesse. And uh, interesting that Brian Wilson made your first set of choices on the Music Talks and yes. there he is again. 
<laughs> you know, and now that you tell me the story that this is right after you got married, that line, well, I love my wife for the rest of my life, yeah. just actually made me tear up a little bit, yeah. you know, because yeah. uh, very, very poignant and very powerful. So thank you for telling that story. That's, yes, that would be a great, if they're going to, you know, as they continue to release archives, that would be a great show to release. Yeah, I look forward to it. There's, there's got to be a set of video uh archives they start uh, they start releasing but let's see so talking about poignant let's move on to the 70s choice because that has a pretty poignant video with it but uh, let's go through that one yeah um at the end of the when we were touring and it was the um depending on with you have kindness in your heart or a little bit of cynicism uh, the Wrecking Ball, High Hopes Tour, it was the E Street Orchestra or the E Street Band on steroids, depending on your perspective. Um, but I was lucky enough to go to a couple shows and seeing that many people on stage and feeling the joy of when they did you know, um, shackled and drawn and they end up doing the chorus line at the end and and how picking up signs and you would have the background singers and the horns and everything just amazing. And toward the end of the tour, right. Um, they put out a video to kind of thank the fans and it was dream baby dream, which I did not know the song. Um, but the video is, I haven't done the math, but I would, it feels like, 80% of the footage is of the fans, of the yep. different people watching the show. And I've said many times, this video captures the magic and the joy of why I say, and my friend Sam first gave me the line, with all apologies to Walt Disney um, World, the happiest place on earth is a Bruce Springsteen concert. <laughs> And I can I, I, I never get tired of watching this video. Um, so we were on a trip, Linda, Chris, and I, and I casually mentioned, yeah, Bruce just put out a new single, a new song. Oh, okay, we'll play it. And so we played it, and Linda, in her charm, like, well, that's pretty simple. <laughs> that's not very complicated, is it? And Chris said, well, wait a minute, Mom, play it again. So he played it again, and then Linda said, play it one more time. And then all of a sudden, she's like, that's actually very beautiful. Yeah. And um, there are times when, um, when we are doing our tailgating at the house before we're going to watch the Dallas Cowboys lose, <laughs> uh, the last song we play before we go into the house and turn on the game is Dream Baby Dream. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, it has become kind of a, a family anthem because of that whole dramatic of her going, well, that's not very good. Hmm. Um, and so it is um, the other – the other and as you said, Terry, of course we're gonna have stories. So the first seven times I saw Bruce, he did not play Thunder Road. Wow. Just two thousand two was the when I first started, and that first seven shows he did not play Thunder Road. Wow. So then um when he was touring, um 
he was ending the show either with an acoustical Thunder Road or he would bring out the pump organ and do Dream Baby Dream. And every show I went on that tour, he ended with Thunder Road. <laughs> and I'm never going to complain about getting Thunder Road live. <laughs> but it did kind of like once, couldn't I worked out just once to see Dream Baby Dream live? So, uh, yeah, it has a special place in my heart and I had to make the list. Yeah, well, let's take uh, let's take a listen, and that's just I love the Dallas Cowboys uh, connection. That's great. So it's interesting when you said Linda's. Uh, that's that's not very complicated because the first time, well, the first time I heard that and Laura was uh, it was early days of our relationship. Um, the Devils and Dust album had just come out, and some dear friends um, managed to get us two tickets to see Bruce at the Albert Hall. So Laura at this stage was sort of getting interested, but certainly liked Bruce in the E Street Band. Wasn't convinced by his solo stuff. So we turn up, and I always remember he the second song he did was Reason to Believe, you know, with the voice box, the real sort of, I, I call it the angry Tom Waits version, and I remember Laura looking at me frowning. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and it was a fascinating gig. But, of course, he finished with Dream Baby Dream and then literally walked off stage as the pump organ played itself. Um, and it wasn't just Laura. I actually remember the audience Everybody, it wasn't like people were moved. It was people were slightly confused. <laughs> um, but I then really uh, got to love it, and I have to say, Laura uh, did as well. But and I've mentioned this to you before when we've talked on the, um, you know, the re-release shows that uh, there was a gig in Charlotte in 2014, which I think is it's right up there. I'm not going to bother on best gig ever, but. Certainly in recent years, the best set of um, encores. And he came out and he, he started the encores. He did Darkness. He then did The Wall and they released that as a video. 
which was so moving, but he went straight from the wall into the angriest version of Born in the USA I've ever heard him do. Straight into Born to Run, he then did um, Dancing in the Dark, 10th Avenue Freezer, finished what had been an amazing show. Then he came back and did Dream Baby Dream. And I am not ashamed to say that I and a lot of other people, including my wife, just stood there and cried because it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and then that video came out. And like you, I have a group of friends. I'm involved in a great group called Action for Happiness. And needless to say, they've noticed that I like Springsteen. <laughs> and we were doing this We were doing this little event at um, the house. And one of them said, you know, we're talking about what, what do we want to go through? And one said, I'd love to know why you love Bruce Springsteen so much. And all I did was show that video. You know, I said, I've been lucky enough to say him 48 times, this is why. And the vast majority of people got it. I mean, people were literally sat there watching it open mouth going, wow. So, uh, yeah, it is a thing of beauty. And I watched it. Uh, I watched it yesterday and it never, ever gets boring. It really doesn't. Right. And and then, um, right. The story is that the writer actually asked for this version to be played at his funeral. At least that is the rumor. Oh, really? And, uh, yes. Um, and it is, you know, it's like the, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but like the, the, the guy who wrote Hurt originally, like Johnny Cash uh, Trent Reznor, song. Trent yeah, Reznor, and then, yeah. then going back going, okay, I didn't know I'd written a Johnny Cash song, but I guess I had. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. And uh, yeah, I am such a completist that last year's record store day, there was a there was a 12 inch version of the original by Suicide. So I do have that as well. And it's it's, it's worth a listen to see what Bruce did with it. Exactly. Um, I suppose then we should jump forward to the 80s. See what I, I did see there. what you did there. <laughs> yes. Um, so I. I I knew I had to do Dream Baby Dream when I saw it was from the 70s, though I did give serious thought to um, Bruce had done during the, this latest years, especially when he was touring Australia, right? He's like, hey, I'm going to start the show with a cover of a local band or someone just for fun. And we got this great version of Staying Alive. Um, after the passing of Prince, we got this unbelievable version of Paper Rain. But um, it's Dallas, Texas. <laughs> um, the NCAA tournament was being held at what we um, affectionately called Jerry World or the Death Star. It's AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play. It's this massive, huge, you know, stadium. And down the road a little bit in a, um, a park in downtown Dallas, they had a free festival and the weather was horrible. They got very little turnout. Um, the, you know, they had, um, it was a decent lineup, but Bruce was headlining it. And, um, and so we had waited all day and we, he'd come out, and the band is marching out to the sound of Sweet Georgia Brown, which is the theme to the Globetrotters. And so that makes us all smile. Hmm. And then, and this is on video, him and Niels, because little Steven is off filming, 
set up for a jump ball and Kevin, his technician is in, takes a basketball, throws it in the air and kneels and uh, Bruce do a jump ball. And all of a sudden they go into Van Halen's jump. (laughs) (laughs) And you just, you're like, what, what, what? And um, I tweeted who had jump on your scorecard and someone else tweeted because this is the NCAA and the sweet, you know, the bracket Bruce destroying brackets everywhere. (laughs) Um, It is a great version of the song. It was um, my eighth show. I had already had tickets for three other shows so or two other shows so i knew going to this one would get me to double digits um it is one of the smallest venues Uh, you know there was not a big crowd it was a little less than three hours but if you do um a google there is a the local dallas beat writer um talked about the you know entertainment writer talked about as intimate of a group it was, he knew he was not playing to an audience. Uh, he was a general audience, so it was very hint-centric. He did Dancing in the Dark and Glory Days. Yep. Um, it's a very fun set, but it's a beautiful memory, and I just think it's a great cover of the song. I, uh, I agree, and let's, uh, let's take a listen. That's absolutely brilliant. You did a great, great summary there, uh, Jesse. Um, the only thing, I mean, first of all, if anyone hasn't seen that video, go and watch it. It's just brilliant. Um, I think the only thing you underplayed, Jesse, is it looks like it was so cold and wet 
Oh, it was. I mean, it, it was looked so miserable. Cold. <laughs> it was. It was so cold in that. I, I actually have a photo of me wearing my, you know, a fedora, and I've got my, you know, my thing on, and um, I. It was rainy and wet, and so the whole band has got gloves and scarves, yep. and then. But, you know, he mentions at the end of the – and the whole show is available. Um, you can watch the whole show on YouTube because they streamed it live. Yeah, I remember watching uh, it at home on TV. Yeah. yeah, and he mentioned, he says, this isn't bad weather for playing. Uh, so, yeah, it was um, it was really, really good. But even, um, even in the video, I mean, you've got uh, things I know. One, Max, you've got Max with a super slick haircut, but I think he does a brilliant job on the track. There's a there's a lovely moment where you can spot the horn section scrambling over charts. Like what what is it we're doing? Um, there's a bit I don't think because there's an official video and there's another one. There's a bit where Bruce seems to rip a cover off something. I don't know if it's a speaker at the front of the stage, but he literally rips it off and throws it away. Um, as you say, you've got Bruce and Nils jumping. But the reason I actually um, made that clip, like the second half of the song, is. It just puts a big smile on my face. Can you imagine at the start of the 2010s if you'd have said to Rage Against the Machine fan, what's going to happen this day? Oh, you're going to see Tom Morello doing a scorching solo in a Van Halen cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And by the way, he he does two solos and they are brilliant. Um, And and one of the things, yeah, I, you know, um, I... (laughs) I'm going to get the names wrong, but, um, and you may remember these, but my buddy Charles and I were just doing a podcast. We do a Doctor Who podcast and we're covering an episode. And he goes, Yeah, uh, blank, blank did the voice of K9 on this episode. And I don't like his version of K9. I like this guy's version. And, and I said, Charles, you just made me smile. And he goes, Why? I said, You sound like a, fan of the e street band like no 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 i don't want Niels to do the solo yeah absolutely. i think that little steven should do the solo <laughs> or hey tom morella has no business on being this any video we we could have Niels do and he says well i'm glad i found you found it amusing um yeah, and one thing i always do love um tom morella looks like he is having the time of his oh, life absolutely Anytime you see this, you see it's just like, I can't believe I'm here. Absolutely. He does. He looks He looks actually just like, you know, when the fan gets pulled up in Dancing in the Dark. Um, yes. And I'll try to add again. You'll know the story. But the, I, I can't remember where the gig was. But Nils tells the story that they were 75 minutes into a set. And Tom came over and said, finally, one I know. <laughs> I think it was, it was one of the Australian gigs where he just went completely off-piste. Um, and uh, I, I've seen him interviewed. He said, you know, I'm not a good strum along guy. <laughs> That's not what I do. <laughs> but the, the final thing, and one of the reasons I was so pleased you chose that is you know, one, of the, one of the reasons I love Bruce, and I know you're the same, is I don't think there's another performer who puts as much thought into working the audience, and I mean that in a positive way. And you can just see in that video clip that he walks out and it's like, okay, the weather's awful. You know, there's not as many people here as there were, blah, blah, blah. And as you say, this is not a Bruce audience. I am going to work my ass off. And right yes. from the, you know, the, the fact that they put the thought into that, but you can see, you know, he's putting every stunt in the book, even in the first song. Um, 
The irony is, I have, would you believe, I've never seen him in the rain. Oh, wow. Um, and I've actually got, <laughs> be careful what you wish for, because uh, yeah. I, I do have friends who will say that some of their favorite shows have been bad weather just because of that, that it's almost like there's that extra bit of effort and passion. But yeah, I've uh, never had a raindrop while seeing Mr. Springsteen so far. I'd love to get that record broken. but uh, really Absolutely. So with that, on to the 90s. And I know we had a lot of interesting discussion around this, so yeah, I'll let you so, kick off. Yeah, so this is where it gets tough. Because, um, as we've established, Bruce loves going back to his roots. And so you can find Chuck Berry, you know, you, you could find, um, you know, Little Richard, you can find Dion, you can find the Beach Boys, you can find the Beatles, you can go on and on, even the 70s, as I mentioned, a few in the 80s. So then you get to the 90s, and I'm like, oh, I'll do this one. And you went, uh, Jesse, I hate to tell you this, but that was actually released in 87. <laughs> Damn it. Because um, I really wanted to get a U2 cover in there, but yep. I, I had to do Jump. So um, you sent me, and there's this wonderful website that has lists of every cover that he's been known to do. Um, and a, he's done a John Hyatt cover that they, there is no video of that I just, he sound checked it. Yep. And I went, oh my goodness, God, where, where is that in the cosmos? So um, so I ended up picking Man in the Moon by R.E.M. for a couple of reasons. One, it is a good song. Two, I think uh, Bruce does a great job of singing it along with the man. <laughs> but... Um, they mess up in the middle and, and that just makes me smile because, um, you know, we all, no matter how passionate and how hard we work, we screw up and it's just nice to see, yep, even the professionals do. And what do they do? They pick themselves up and go straight on forward. So, um, man in the moon is the one who made it. And I believe you have a story. Uh, I do. One of the good things about working for Microsoft living in the UK as I did at the time was that if you flew to Seattle everywhere was on the way home um, so I realized that Bruce was doing the vote for change tour uh, I genuinely was already booked to be in Seattle so I decided that I would go on the way back I also managed to persuade a lady who at that time was just a friend which was the lady who's now my wife, Laura. Um, but I persuaded her that we should meet in Chicago and then go up to Cleveland and see this gig. Um, and she said yes, although the reality is she was more interested in seeing R.E.M. than Bruce at the time. Um, so, yep, we were at the gig, um, and it was just it was an amazing night. I mean, the, um, the first support out was actually Bright Eyes, uh, who we hadn't heard of at the time, and then fell in love with and one we actually had my Laura walked up uh, the aisle at our wedding to one of their songs um, and then REM came out and they did about 10 songs and then Bruce joined them and they did a brilliant version of um, Bad Day and he was clearly loving playing um, alongside Peter Buck and then they went into Man in the Moon and this is what's happened, so let's play the clip and then I'll, uh, I'll talk you through it. Is 
So as you heard, uh, Michael Stipe <laughs> up. Um, I did see him interviewed afterwards where he said, I'm not used to doing it as a duet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it was, it was a brilliant moment. And I've said to people, you know, go and look at the jump video, but go and find that one. It's Cleveland 2004, October 2nd, in blazing in my memory. Um, it was just one of those magic moments and... The bit I actually love, and you could hear it at the end, is that when he starts again and he says to the crowd, help out, because you could see that, and he then laughs, what he's really worried about is screwing up again. Yes. Um, but it was just a, uh, a magic moment. And if I made two other quick stories, um, that Orion obviously then went off stage. If you watch the video, Stipe is in his all-white suit. Um, he comes out to introduce Bruce and the E Street Band. And I forget exactly what he said, but he, he's walked off stage and Bruce, he said something about supporting. And Bruce walks up to the microphone and says, we'd have supported you if you'd have asked with a big smile. And literally stipes at the edge of the stage and he stops and he walks back very slowly and he walks up to the microphone and he goes, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final bit was that um, literally when they play board to run, you could see Stipe come into the pit obviously the white suit helped that you can spot him but he literally just walked into the middle of the pit stood in the middle and just watched and it was a it was a lovely 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 moment so uh, i was uh, thank you for choosing that it was uh, when when it came through on your email i was like yes yes <laughs> oh i'm so glad i did what a great story well uh, yeah, the, 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 i would have loved to have been there well the final bit of the night just to make you feel better is that we'd been out the night before and we'd overindulged and so the gig finished, we got back to the hotel, and it was like, should we have a night camp? And it was like, no, no, let's call it a night, which is not our usual style. And we got up the next morning to find out that the after party 
had been held in our hotel bar. <laughs> and by the way, Brad Pitt was in town and all these celebrities because it was all around Vote for Change. Sure. And for once in our life, we decided to have an early night. Well, there, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> so you can't win them all. <laughs> no, you can't. That's hilarious. All right. So um, with that, let's move into this century and the noughties. Yeah. So um, there are there are people I recognize are um, brilliant artists, but I've just I've not taken the time to explore their music as much as I should have. And if you had asked me before Warren Zavon's death, I would have said, oh, yeah, the werewolves of London guy. Yep. And, um, and I had a coworker who really, really liked Warren Zavon. And he mentioned that um, his last album he recorded knowing he was going to die. And I ended up picking up the CD and um, – fell in love with keeping in your heart. Uh, it is just one of my absolutely favorite songs. Um, I actually took after my, I have a, my stepfather's name was Kenneth. And when he passed, I took all the photos I could have of him scan them and made a montage to keep me in your heart of his different photos and gave it to my mom. That's beautiful. And, um, but Bruce didn't do keep me in my heart, but he did the next best thing. He did my rides here. And I, I love this version. I love the idea that my rides here um, in the previous episode, I talked about um, Sarah Hickman's version of we are each other's angels. Yes. And where there's a line, I sent 10,000 angels to bring me home. And so when I hear my rides here, I think of that. I think of that we're here together. And so um, I thought this would just be a perfect way to kind of bring in the naughties, as you said, and to kind of share someone that I know. Um, Bruce once said that when Brian Wilson married the little surfer girl, Wendy, that they had twin sons, and one of them was Warren Savannah, and the other one was Jackson Brown. I did, I've not heard that. That's brilliant. Yeah, he said, yeah, he says, when Brian married Wendy, the little surfer girl, they had twin sons, Warren <laughs> and uh, Jackson. And uh, so I picked Warren's. Uh, my ride's here. As Shelly and Keats, they were out in the street. And even Lord Byron, he was leaving for Greece. While back at the hill, last but not least, Milton was holding his sides. He said, you bravos, you better be ready to fight. Or we'll never get out of East Texas tonight. The trail is long and the river is wide in my rides here. My rides here. I was staying at the Western. I was planning to withdraw. When in walked Charlton Heston with the tablets of the law. 
He said, it's still the greatest story. I said, man, I'd like to stay, but I'm bound for glory. Yeah, I'm on my way, my ride's here. My ride's here. My ride's here. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at that clip, um, and here is a man in Warren who manages to get Shelley, Keats, Lord Byron, and Milton into one verse, and he then rhymes Westin with Charlton Heston. Exactly, um, right? And, uh, you know, it's not surprising because that's, again, I, I took the clip from the second half of the song, but the song actually starts with, I was staying at the Marriott with Jesus and John Wayne. I was waiting for a chariot. They were waiting for a train. Um, <laughs> massively underrated artist. Uh, my favourite album is Life Will Kill You, which was a sad irony that uh, a few years later, that's exactly what uh, what happened. And also, you know, in amongst all of that beauty, uh, beautiful, thoughtful writing, there was a man with a really dark sense of humour because you mentioned about that final album. Um, Bruce appears on that on a brilliant song called Disorder in the House. Um, but yet you're recording an album, you know that you know your passing is on the horizon and you include a version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes, a wicked sense of humour. Absolutely. And, yes. and here is, because obviously there was a close relationship and you've just told that great story, that is the only Warren Seven cover that Bruce has ever done. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, absolutely. Um, I was really surprised when I saw that, but uh, again, I, just so pleased you chose that because it got me to go back and listen to a couple of his albums, and uh, he really was—he really was a great talent. Absolutely, such such a such a loss, and and like you said, that that final album. It, would be a great album regardless but when you know in the context yeah. it just brings something pretty special and then the final thing because it's all about me of course is you mentioned werewolves of london again early on in our relationship having seen les miserables laura and i then went for chinese and realized we were in the chinese restaurant in the werewolves of london song nice i can't remember the name of but um i'll dig it out but yeah, it was suddenly I was looking at the menu and thought, hold on, this this rings a bell. So there you go. Um, let's move on to sadly your final choice. Yeah. So uh, once again, you know, there Bruce has a t has done has sang with artists, uh, some current artists, modern artists, as I do air quotes. Um, but I think one of the best is. Um, it seems like the Dropkick Murphys love him and he loves them. And um, as we're all trying to figure out how to do social distancing, um, you know, the Dropkick Murphys said, hey, let's just do a live show for Fenway. And, oh, by the way, let's have Bruce join us. So, um, and so they did Rose Tattoo and they did American Land. And, um, I just think Rose Tattoo is such a fun song and not only because when he originally 
you know, they did a version to help raise charity. And now this, to seeing him do it live, uh, you know, as we were watching the show, Chris and I are like, how are they doing that? How is he being able to perform that far away and that remotely and make it work? And it's just something special. So that was my, that was my modern song. (laughs) And are you a Dropkick Murphys fan? Uh, vaguely, you know, just yeah. casually. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's one of those, you know, I tend to be so covered up into my own kind of music. And then I, and one of the things I admire about you so much is you continue to look out new bands and find new artists and, and, and embrace that. And I tend to not do that as much though. One of the beautiful things, and I'm not just saying that, is with Music Talks, you hear all these different versions and you get to go down rabbit holes of, <laughs> oh, I like that song. I should explore some more. And so that's that's what I feel. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And no, the reason for asking is um, my son, Callum, um, is a big fan. Um, and for me, I, I would love to see them live. They're not a band that I think I'm going to listen to on record that much, but I would uh, I would love to see them live and... When you hear songs like this, um, you can you can see why, really, I think. Let's take a listen. Here we go, here we go. Without further ado, Rose Tattoo. Pictures tell the story, this life had many shades I'd wake up every morning and before I'd start each day I'd take a drag from last night's cigarette that smoldered in its tray Down a little something and then be on the way I traveled far and wide, led this head in many ports. I was guided by a compass, I saw beauty in the north. I drew the tales of many lives, or faces of my own. I had these memories all around me, so I wouldn't be alone. Some may be from showing up, others are from growing up. Sometimes I was so messed up and didn't have a clue. And yet, <clears throat> I had a similar thought about the technology side of that. I have no idea how they made it work. Um, but a brilliant initiative, I think. Absolutely brilliant initiative. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the same thing, um, not to get political, just the music part of it. Um, the Chicks, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, yep. did the uh, Star Spangled Banner one of the final nights, the final night of the Democratic Convention. And so there's three of them. They all look like they're in separate places and doing absolutely amazing harmony. And you're like, how do you, uh, like, okay, we're all going to start. We all know our part. Let's, you know, how do you keep, because if you're sitting next to each other, standing next to each other, you could kind of listen and hear. And I thought that was amazing. And I'm right there with you i think a, a drop kirk murphy's show would be a blast well let's hope let's hope one day and um absolutely 
the reason for the uh, intrusion on the sound before was I was trying to find the name of that restaurant, and it's Lee Ho Fuchs in Soho. Oh, okay. So Good. Very nice. Go. Cool. Um, yes. Jesse, that brings us to the end of your choices, sadly. I, as always, I could go on forever. I'm going to do yeah. the standard, my standard music talks final question, which is any final thoughts? Yeah, this was just fun. I really appreciate it. Um, it, this was a nice excuse to go look at Springsteen covers and, and, and I don't think he will. I, I don't think he has any interest in doing a covers album though. I, I could have a wish list of, you know, <laughs> you know, Bruce sings Johnny Cash, Bruce sings, you know, country classics. Bruce does a doo-wop album. Uh, you know, I, I would love to do that there. Um, the two guys, there is a there is a small podcast out there called Springtime for Springsteen. Oh, really? Uh, I haven't come yes. across that. Yeah, they're they're two guys, and it's they're really fun. They just talk about their life and kind of they're both uh, casual Springsteen fans, but they have a really good friend who's a massive fan. And very early in one of their career, one of the episodes, they said that the E Street Band should do nothing but covers. They should just they should come out and just forget all of Bruce's songs. They should just do a show of covers every night. And I don't agree with that sentiment, but I understand the thought behind it that you would have a hell of a show if they were the house band at the Marriott and they were doing three hours of your favorite covers. It would be a something to write home about. Well, as always, a couple of things in there, because you've done your casual throwaway comment. So a future episode at some point of if Bruce was to do a covers album, what would we choose? Might be fun. Um, oh, yeah. The other one to show you just how retentive I am, and I didn't actually, I ran out of time on this task, but I thought, let's go back through all my gigs and see what covers he's done. And oh, I, I, I'm, nice. not, I'm not, I'm not going to run you through, but I'll tell you what was interesting is how it's changed over time. Um, yeah, if I just, uh, in the, my very first gig, he did uh, Who'll Stop the Rain, he did This Land Is Your Land, and he did Rockin' All Over the World. Okay, the peak of covers, which I, I didn't spot at the time, was actually the Tunnel of Love tour. So on both times I saw him on that tour, he did seven cover versions in both shows. And that's, by the way, if you don't count Because the Night is a cover version. Uh, so you had Boom Boom, War, I'm a Coward, which is Gina Washington's Sweet Soul Music, have Love Will Travel, Raise Your Hand, it did Chimes of Freedom. Um, you then go to um, the other band tour and the number of covers goes down, not surprising. Um, the Rising, very little. Uh, and then I ran out of time. But I thought it was interesting, that because people always talk about, oh, it was the early 70s when he did all the covers, but there he was on Tunnel of Love, about a quarter of the set was covers. You know, I wish I'd thought to do that. I would have done mine. I know um, I was there when he did Rebel Rebel. Oh, wow. Uh, which was good. Yeah, the opening. Um, he's done I Can't Get No Satisfaction, Burning Love. Um, I asked this question. Uh, when I was at Kansas City, he opened with Kansas City, and I wanted to ask the question, 
does the audience go like, oh gosh, not again? Or are they thrilled? Absolutely um, thrilled. And they were. Absolutely. They absolutely thrilled. were, right? So um so and uh and I told the story he was in Nashville and he did um uh, Burn in Love and uh, I, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, both kind of in, and, um, and a lady, a, you know, a young girl had a play satisfaction song. And my friend um, I worked with, um, he, you know, he looked at me and he said, that's cool, but there's no way if you had a daughter, she was going to have a sign at a Bruce show asking for a Rolling Stone song. <laughs> and I said, that's probably true. Uh, though um, I tried to figure out Jolie Blonde is my favorite song because I, I uh, you know, it, it was, it's the fight song of my, my college, uh, McNeese State University. Every time you score a touchdown, they play, the band plays Jolie Blonde. Oh, really? <laughs> And so um, I love his version. Um, that is one I would love to see live. Yep. Uh, but that's that's an interesting thing. Um, you had mentioned we and let's. I think we have time. Um, we can go through our current three favorite covers, right? Uh, well, we can, except, of course, overnight I've made it five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice, nice. Because I was like, no, I can't leave out. So uh, okay. I apologize for, for... No, that's okay. Do you want me to kick off? Yes, please. So uh, my top five are Jackson Cage, and it's a version by uh, someone called John Wesley Harding. And it's slowed down, it's acoustic, and it, um, when you ask the question, song that is underappreciated, my answer was Jackson Cage, because I'd heard the song, God knows how many times, when I heard the John Wesley Harding cover version, it was like, it was one of those stop you in your tracks, my God, I'd never realised how lyrically brilliant the song is. So uh, that was my number one. Interestingly, because you have, um, we talked about Highway Patrolman before, but um Highway Patrolman by Dar Williams is my favourite version. I know you love the Johnny Cash version. Uh, yes. And that's off a fantastic album, if people haven't heard it, called Badlands. Um, a, uh, sorry, it's um, a tribute to Nebraska, uh, but I think they call it Badlands a tribute to something. But it's a, just a beautiful, beautiful version. Um, uh, number three is Atlantic City by The Hold Steady. You know, Craig Finn's a massive fan, and I think Bruce is a fan of Craig. Um, but it's just a brilliant version, and I think if if the E Street Band had done a um, band version in the early 80s, you know, Laura's comment was, that sax is more Clarence than Clarence. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also it then has at the end uh, the sort of no surrender la-la-la's put in as well. So I think it's a brilliant arrangement. Um Number four would be Adam Raised a Cane by Alabama Shakes. Uh, they played that at the Music Curse tribute video. Just brilliant. And then finally, actually prompted by the latest release in the archive series, um, it reminded me that Lucinda Williams does just the most beautiful version of Factory. So yeah, those are my, that's my top five. Absolutely. I saw Lucinda Williams um, here in Dallas, and what I found amazing is – 
she has this huge songbook up top. So like, I'm not even going to pretend that I may not, I, I'm, you know, I'm doing something differently and yep. she's, she has a great voice. So you've already mentioned Johnny Cash, Highway Patrolman yep. is definitely one of my favorites. Um, I sent you the link to this one, Big Head Todd and the Monsters <laughs> do a version of uh, Rosalita come out tonight, including um, they have the blues player, uh, from from um, uh, John Popper, right. and so he plays it. That's absolutely amazing. Um, this is a recent one that Ken Rosen, our mutual friend, uh, showed. Um, there is a uh, Mount View um, church that does an, an online ministry, and Adam Waite is the minister of music, and he, and I do not know who the violinist is, I couldn't find, but um, if, if anyone looks, do My City of Ruins, Mountain View at Home. Um, yeah, he plays the piano, and um, she plays the violin, and it's absolutely stunning. Um, I love Amy McDonald's Dancing in the Dark. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, she's just, I love any time she does. And then the last one, there's a story. So since you made it five, all right. Uh, one <laughs> I knew of the you'd things, respond. <laughs> yes. One of the things that Melissa Estridge has done during this time is she's done a daily kind of show. And she talked about Born to Run and her doing it on the um, – when she was doing uh, – there she was doing a special, Right. MT Live, and they said, who do you want? And he said, well, I'd love Bruce Springsteen. Oh, let's ask him. And so there is a story, and she tells the story that she's nervous, that she – and um, she said when they rehearsed, she goes, I really want to say the line, Mary Climb In, because for a lot of years, I couldn't sing songs with a female lead because of – me being in the closet and it's really really important i sing this line oh, and bruce right. is like fine but every time they practice she didn't say it so if you go to this video and you watch and you wait you will see him look anxious and then when she says, Mary, climb in, he smiles and kind of chuckles to himself. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so, everyone, that's your homework. Go watch that. Um, and, and, the, and the video, is, is it on Melissa's site or? Yeah, just if you just Google. Yeah, but there is on her site and her Facebook, she tells the story. Okay. But, yes, if you go, this is the official, you know, like when she was on the, you know, it's had thousands of views. But when you watch her and he Absolutely. he actually looks anxious and then he just smiles that she did it. And that just, I love that story that he's like, okay, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? That's fantastic. So, yes. Absolutely fantastic. And um, I just want to appreciate you, just tell you how much, again, I appreciate your friendship. And it's so much fun. Uh, podcasting with you in case you guys don't know terry and i are going to be doing a series of episodes where we talk about the archives as they're released so depending on the release that'll be once a month he and i are going to get together and talk and i'm sure we will find another excuse to visit sometime <laughs> because i just love visiting with you no similarly jesse it's uh, it's always great fun 
And I also, I always learn something and I always come away with new stories. And that's, uh, that's important to me. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, listeners, thank you. Wash your hands. Remember social distancing. Wear an effing mask. Take care of yourselves. And we will talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.